Hey, what's happening, everybody? Thank you for joining us on another episode of An Earful in the Emerald City. Thank you guys for being here. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you for tuning in to this uh, special episode we got for you. Um, hope you guys liked last week. I actually uh, got some good reviews from it already. Uh, people tell me a pretty good episode. I mean, Again, it's just it's the story. It's just an incredible story of an incredible man. The guy hitchhiked to his own goddamn wedding. Can you believe that? What a crazy story to tell your grandkids. Hitchhiked to the wedding. So hope you guys like that. Uh, we've got another good one for you today, too, actually. Um, really good buddy of mine, a uh, comedian friend of mine. Uh, he's also a uh, stay-at-home dad, which I love to give him shit for. He is also a orchid expert. Um Anything you need to know about those plants, guys, he's on top of it. I mean, he's got clothing that adorn them as well. It's almost kind of weird. It's almost a little bit weird. But uh, really good guy, good friend of mine, good comedian. Uh, Hope you guys enjoy this. My time with Mr. Mean. He's not mean. He's the sweetest guy around. But Mr. Joseph Greenhauer. Hope you guys enjoy. I think I've seen that before. Yeah, it used to be like a really, I think it was like a Larry's or it was a really fancy supermarket back in the 90s. It was like, you know, one of them. It was like its own Whole Foods type place. But then like these Chinese grocers bought it and now it's an Asian grocery and it, this place is huge. It is just a, in a, a phenomenally large space and all of the shelves are like really spread out and when you look at like what's on the shelves, they only stock things like one or two cans deep and then spread them out sideways. So like <laughs> you take one can of garbanzo beans, there's going to be a big hole right there. <laughs> and you look at it and you're like, this is sad. Are these people struggling, you know, or what's what's the th-? but I, every time I'm in there, the place is kind of empty. There's not a lot of people, I think, you know. Yeah. You go to a Wajimaya and it's like every day in there is just it's crazy. People are, you know, but they've done a really good job of filling it up with good stuff. And, yeah, you know, it's fun to go back there and, like, you know, if you want to make sushi or something, you can, it's like going to a sushi restaurant, but it's all right there in the supermarket. Yeah. Huge selection of stuff. Yeah, a place is like going to, like, Times Square. You know, and sometimes when you go in there, you're just like, holy it's shit. There's a lot of people in there. Yeah. And they don't realize how quick you can go through stuff, like, especially when you have that much, that much foot traffic. I mean, some of these stores aren't that busy, but... uh yeah, it, it's and like you said, it's depressing too. It's depressing when you walk in and there's like one thing left of that thing you want. You're like, how long has that been sitting there? Yeah, or do, you, how, do how I want to buy that? this? Like, what's wrong yeah, with this one? Like, oh, how come? How come everybody reached past this packet of Twinkies or whatever? It is, yeah, you know? <laughs> whereas like there's eight of them on the shelf, and you're like, oh, I'll peel one of those motherfuckers off, no problem. Yeah, well, you just you know, it's it's like a psychology where you want to. Um, you want to feel as a customer like you have a lot of choices and that there's there's a bounty, you know, in there. And then you go in, you want to go into a place and be like, yeah, look at this place. Like I can get anything I want in here, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you're in there and it's like it's just sad and there's nothing there. Yeah, I have this one stop on my route. It's actually pretty close to here. I just popped in there because I drove was driving by, and this guy for some reason the gas their gas doesn't work so they can't pump any gas so boom there's a huge hit right there you know to oh, yeah that's to like income. All, all your traffic that, that, that's like half of probably what you're doing as a convenience store right so there's that and on the inside he can't 
do debit or credit. It's just all cash. And I'm, so I'm just like, oh, God. And, it, and it's the, it's that store, too, where he's like, you know, I, I write up an order and he's like, uh, well, what are, what are we looking at here? Oh, what's going on? Uh, how's bad is it going to be? You know, all that stuff. And, it, and he gives me the same line all the time. I got real money problems and uh, you know, but you go there and I went to grab some beer and when there's not that much selection, you're like, this is it. And, or it's like what you said, it's like two, it's a couple different types, right? But they're spread out all over the place. Like you look, there's some there and then you look over there and then that same type, the like, wait, it was over here. It's over there too. Why are you doing that? (laughs) You know, when these stores are so small too, like you can't double up stuff like that. Yeah. You don't have much space for variety anyway. I, there's a, there's a, Gas station right by my house that I, I I buy beer a lot at because they have a couple of beers that I like, uh, and their beer selection is it's a small it's a it's big gas station with like the small, um, tiniest convenience store right, and and then the gas station across the the street, um, closed up they're gonna went out of business or they're remodeling it or whatever but it's closed right it's under construction now, and now like. All the people that were going to that gas station are going to my gas station and buying up my beer. So when I go in there, I'm like, I, I, the reason I come here is that you guys always have a 12 pack of the beer I like. Yeah. You know, anytime. And you're open late and all this stuff, right? And now, you know, because this other gas station closed, some wankers are buying my beer. You know, and I told the guy, I was like, hey, I know you're busy because of this other place closing, but I come here all the time just to get the beer, you know. He's cool. He's Korean, you know, like. I, talking to the dude and sometimes we don't i don't understand everything he's saying but um he you know he was like okay okay you know i'll get you some more beer like just keep coming back i'll make sure that i I stock you know more of that because he knows me i'm in there like you know every other day yeah yeah i don't want to say how bad an alcoholic i am but (laughs) don't get too specific (laughs) don't get too specific but i am a frequent visitor of my local you know and it's and it's a convenience it's convenience store because i live in an area where to get to a supermarket i have to either cross like drive over a bridge overpass across the freeway which is a pain in the ass in seattle because yeah. every time it's like traffic is crazy mm-hmm. you know plus there's a couple of beggars you gotta get, well it's through. not i don't i mean i'm inside a car i don't care but <laughs> um but yeah then you know like you gotta then you gotta drive back and then you know this this gas station's close to the house so if i can stop in there and the price is not bad so yeah well and that's what gets me too like you'll have people that'll go in and they'll be like i'll be working in the store and i'll see somebody coming like hey uh how much for a single swisher and it's like the guy's like uh 129 129 come on man there's a store down the road these things are a dollar all day long it's 129 and these guys all sit there and haggle over 20 or 30 cents and it's like dude it's a convenience store. Just, it's not yeah, just, a great prices store. No. That's not what they're here for, no, okay? for your convenience. That's why you I mean, come on. Them. Yeah, this is what this is what their job is. They you're going to pay a little premium because of that. I think they need to have an inconvenience store. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> store where everything in there is like super inconvenient like like you know, you need you need your change and a guy like did, like the change roll like he has to open it every time. And you got to wait for him to like take the change out. And then, like, if you're buying chips and salsa, like, chips would be, like, on the lowest level. Yeah. And salsa would be, like, on the highest level in the next aisle, you know? If you're if you're a woman who's over 60 years old, you have to pay by a written check. Yeah. Oh, you're, yeah. You're and required then, to. And then they won't take it. <laughs> and she'll, she'll write the wrong store. She'll spell the store wrong on the first one. You have one. to swipe the card and put in the chip. Both. It's like that. That's what that store I was telling you about feels like. 
Oh man, I I don't understand these like the new credit cards too. You know, because you have like um, there's the stripe on it, and then mm-hmm. there's like the chip in the card. You know, and like it's it's getting confusing. You used to sign for everything, but now like you either have to swipe or chip. Sometimes you use a pin code. Yeah, punch a number. Some yeah. places now they don't even care. They're just like if it's a small enough amount, they just let you swipe and go. Yeah, which is crazy. It's like well that's secure. But the thing is, also, like, when you swipe a credit card, it's always in your hand, you know? When you put the thing in with the chip, your hand comes off of it. Yeah. It's like they're stealing it from you for that moment. Like, and it's just, like, sucking sucking the money out of your And if you're old school like me, the thing never leaves your hand. So, like, once it's left your hand, it's kind of left your mindset. Yeah. And it's easy to forget it in the machine. Yeah. You know? It's it's crazy. It's it's funny you brought that up because... It's crazy how much a shift of culture it has been just going from swiping your card to now injecting it with the chip. Yeah, like it's been a, it's, it's been a dramatic change. It's, it's a lot of I'm I'm one of the people that's having a hard time adjusting. I'm like <laughs> this is not easy for me. Like you know, I'm I'm from an older guard. Yeah. We, we didn't, you know, I remember a lot of places just wouldn't take Visa Mastercard. You actually had to just go get cash. Yeah. And ATMs and there was like ATM wars, you know, like <laughs> Seriously, like there was like a thing. Uh, it was kind of like the wars. local long distance wars of the eighties, you know. Like, oh, that's true. Like, can I ask you, Aaron? Who is your long distance carrier? <laughs> uh, I usually went with one eight hundred AT whatever yeah. the fuck. I don't. Yeah, even... see, you don't know. Right? Yeah, there was or uh, MT, M, MTI or something right. like that. Yeah, yeah. See, like all of that's from yesteryear. Nobody cares about that anymore. Cause yeah, now no one like, pays how much, for that shit anymore. How much data can you download in a minute? Like, how much you know? How fast can you get me my porn on my phone? Yeah, that's how, yeah. Does. What kind of streaming rates are we talking here? But um, but yeah, you know, now like that's that's what's important. But you know, before like there was a time when you know uh, ATM fees, how much an ATM charged was like a thing, and banks were like jockeying up to outdo each other. Like, well, our t- ATMs are free. Yeah, and uh, and they're free to everybody, you know. So then, come to our bank, and you'll like these ATMs, and then you might just get an account there. Like, you know, they'll show you an ad while you're waiting for your money. You know, so getting people to that screen at your bank was now nobody cares. You know, and they're they're back to charging three bucks because you can use it. Who needs cash anymore when you can use the card everywhere you go? So you know, the ATMs they start like they're like we know if you need cash, you're desperate. You are very desperate, and you can get the cash back when oh, you go to a lot of these trucks. Right? Yeah, well, exactly. That's why you're desperate. Right. You know, it's a legal transaction here. But it, there's just something too, in my opinion, there's something nice about just that swipe. You know, you're just like, mm, put it on the card, baby. Yeah. Boom. Just, well, I like what I like is not even doing it, just giving the card to my favorite is paying by card in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. You give it to a waiter, and then they leave, and they come back with a piece of paper, and then I just sign it like. I feel like you know, like when you're in a fancy hotel and you can sign things to your room, you know, you're at the you're at the restaurant in the hotel and you're just like, I'm not even gonna pay for this. I'm just gonna put my signature on here and walk away. Yeah. You know, and then of course you do pay for it when you check out and you're yeah. like, Oh shit, look at my incidentals, you know, like <laughs> I gotta pay this? Oh no. <laughs> the uh, water wasn't free? <laughs> yeah, man. Oh the yeah, the free the free water in your room, Jesus. Yeah. Um but you know, like uh now like uh, no nobody cares, so all the ATMs are charging a shitload of money and you know, my bank is. I I do a bank with. Uh, I bank with a bank that's out of Spokane. They don't actually have any branches over mm-hmm. here, so they um. They refund all your fees. They refund all the ATM fees in yeah. Seattle, which is great. Mine so, mine does that too. I wondered, would there ever come a point where they would be like, okay, dude, what the fuck? You've you've gotten twenty dollars out of seven different banks today. All right, we're not paying all these fucking fees back for you. I mean, would that would that point ever come? Do you think? I think that. 
I just think that they they don't look at the individual. I think they probably look at a total volume of all their customers and just mm-hmm. they just see that like this is how how many you know uh, outside ATMs that are you know um, our customers are using. So if we were to just pay these fee, this average fee of what you know they they have all that data, it goes through their bank. Yeah, you know, so they can look up and figure it out. And there's some pencil neck that crunches the numbers. <laughs> You know, some analyst is going through it all, and it's like, because what they're really what they're looking at is, you know, is is if you're going to build a branch and and staff a branch, or or if you're the type of bank, you know, where you're a big enough bank that you're going to try to be everywhere. Because that was a thing for a while. Banks were like, we have the most ATMs, right? Because yeah. to avoid ATM fees, you went to the biggest bank with the most ATMs. Because it was you an knew, arms race for ATMs. Yeah, you knew that if you went to like you know if you were with Bank of America and you went to Chicago, Bank of America is going to be in Chicago. Lo and behold, Bank of America is a terrible bank. Like they screw <laughs> their customers over like crazy. They have like the worst rates. They're just a horrible, horrible bank. And you know, and if you ever have a problem, it's impossible to fix it. Their customer service is just—it's always ranked lowest. It's just really bad. Um, That's really unpatriotic of you to say that, Joe. Oh, not supporting Bank of America. That's because, America's bank because it's got America in the name. Well, Deutsche Bank is doing much better. Oh <laughs> God! <laughs> so I'm actually—I bought a contract recently, and I'm actually short that stock. Yeah, and it's been—it's been going down the last like two weeks. So yeah, it, well, they have you know. Well, dude, it's like I I listen to rap songs. I got there's like Jay Z songs, or whatever, and he's talking about laundering money and drug money and extortion, and he's talking about Deutsche Bank is the bank he goes through to do it. And I'm like, oh, dude, I'm short, short, short Deutsche, short Deutsche. Well, you know, it's, I mean, a lot of it is Nazi gold. You know, that's <laughs> that's where that bank has got their money. You know, like if you were to try to do reparations with the Jews from World War II, you'd probably have to go deep. In the Deutsche Bank, and you know, get all of their, get all of their old, you know, shit out of there. So yeah. yeah, that's not you know, that's not a good bank. I the bank I bank with a small bank that's like it's out of Spokane. It's for farmers, you know. It's it it's not big, but you know, they do they give me good rates on stuff. When I have a problem, I can call and talk to a person. Yeah, you know, they actually give a shit. They give a shit. They I know people there by name. They know when I call, they're like, "Hey, Joe, what's up?" You know. Yeah. So they, that's why I go there. You know. But they can't afford to get into that, you know. To, like, how much do you think building an ATM costs? It's probably yeah, like it. $10,000 for that yeah. machine, you know. Not to mention you got to pay somebody to have that at their location or whatever. Wherever and you put and it. the armored car to go fill it up yeah. or whatever, you yeah. know, pick up the goods. That kind of stuff costs money. So I think for them to just uh, pay the $3 makes sense. Yeah. Well, they got some backroom deals, I'm sure, too, between bank to bank. You know, they're probably not paying the same as we would pay for those fees. When it's oh, all yeah, you done, might be you know? right. Like they probably they, cut them a little bit of a deal or something. But Well, they just it gets just charged to your card, though. Yeah. Because in my bank, the way it does is, is they, they charge it to your card, and then the next morning it refunds that yeah. money. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe they, I don't, they don't seem to be paying bank to bank for that. It's just reimbursement, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I really know enough about this. And but you can get stuff like that wholesale. Like I know FedEx, for example, uh, their drivers get tickets all the time. Yeah, and and FedEx pays pennies to the dollar what the rest of us pay because they take all those tickets down to the court. Oh, really? You know, and they have one guy who like negotiates basically a 
a bulk rate for all the tickets they get. Yeah. And they, they it's like having a, an account with the city for illegal parking. <laughs> you know? <laughs> we're going to park illegally, and we're going to keep doing it. Right? <laughs> and we're just going to every month negotiate our parking fees. Yeah. You know? But I think if the city needs to raise money, why don't they just, instead of raising parking, why don't they just start ticketing FedEx more? You know? <laughs> some more of that FedEx money. <laughs> There's got to be, like you said, two pencil necks. There's got probably had to be somebody crunching some numbers, somebody out there saying, uh, you know what? For the few tickets that we are going to get, all the speeding and reckless driving that we're going to get away with, it'll actually be worth it for us. We'll get more packages out there. We'll get more deliveries. Well, they, they do. Though, the way they're, that, that metric uh, works is, you know, they have to look at, you know, how much time does it take the driver to find legal parking and then deliver all of his packages, you know? Yeah. Like, and then how many times does he really get the ticket? Like, they probably park for every 100 illegal parking times, they get the ticket once, maybe? Yeah, you probably, know? yeah. Well, because, like, yeah, it's in and out. I mean, just, parking enforcement, those lazy fucks, you kidding me? They come around, like, on the 15s. You know, each hour. I mean, they, they don't even walk anymore. <laughs> like they got a little, a little segway things now that they're. Yeah. they're oh yeah, riding. that's true. Yeah. Uh, but you know, um, I, yeah, I just don't. You know, I just don't. We can't do that. Like as people, like, like the citizens can't just say like we're not going to pay this. You know, like did you hear about the? I guess this was a thing in Flint. There was a protest. You know, they had all that problems with their water, and there was a protest in Flint, Michigan, where all the people in Flint just um, decided to stop paying their water bill because they're drinking toxic water over there. And uh, and so there was, like, you know, a whole bunch of households that, um, like, the city was owed by the time, the, like, this protest took off. It was, like, $4 million or something in in outstanding water bills that people just were, were refusing to pay. So then the city, which is within their legal right or whatever, or their legal authority... Uh, says if you don't pay your water bill, we're gonna foreclose your house. And now all these people have to come up with all this money for their protested water bill, you know. Yeah. So and you know it's just ridiculous. But that situation, that whole thing going on over there is just a complete nightmare. Oh, it's only gonna get worse, and it's only it's gonna happen more and more because we're yeah. running out of water. It's yeah. not that we're running out of water; we're just making more people that need water. Yeah. They, and and those kind of situations are popping up everywhere, though. I mean, you look at Hanford, the nuclear plant yeah. over in eastern Washington. They just had, what was it, like a underground pipe collapsed or something? I, I, I'm not familiar with I think it. it was, I think was it was an underground pipe. With the, yeah, with the, it caved in, like a, and it was it had radioactive waste. It was tra- And it was just, it's just a fucking nightmare. It's well, a complete that's, nightmare. That's, there's people who have, like, entire careers, like, start to finish. Their job is to clean that place up. It's a regular full-time job. Yeah, and they never succeeded. It's not that they never succeeded. It's that they're, they're succeeding. They're just, it's just such an immense job that they're never going to be done. <laughs> There's, It's enough, to, you know, like pretty soon they're going to start taking all the vagrants off the city, city streets. And instead of giving them public housing, they're going to go send them. They'll be like, "Yeah, we'll give you housing for free and a job, but you got to go clean up nuclear waste." <laughs> and it's gonna be they watch. They're gonna start getting like you know the undesirables to go out. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be the American gulag when we uh, when we start throwing. Once Trump starts getting his way, you know, he's gonna take all the dissidents and he's gonna send them out to Hanford to clean that place up. And uh, we're gonna have a whole new we're gonna have a whole new generation of mutants. Hey, make Hanford great again, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. 
Yeah, it's uh, God, we got plenty of people to choose from too. Actually, uh, when you speak of vagrants around here, it's it's getting scary, man. I mean, I'm seeing people that are like, you know, like a guy the other day got out of a pretty new Toyota Camry, mm-hmm. right? And he had like a cardboard sign folded up. Yeah, you know, and it says like "out of work, need a job," and all this stuff. Yeah, you know, I'm just like, well, and gosh, I, you know, he's got a Camry. You know, like <laughs> yeah. he seems to be doing all right. You know, but he was, it was built this century. Uh, he was clearly like you could see that this dude is living in this car. There's yeah, just so much shit in this car. Yeah, you know, and I'm just like, this is, you know, this is scary. If this guy was doing well enough not too long ago to have bought this Camry. You know, he probably had an apartment, and he was driving that car, and then, like, you know, something happened, lost his job, lost his apartment, now he's living in that car, and now what? You know? Yeah, and and where's the turnaround come? You know, yeah, and how long is that what? car going to hold out? And then what happens? <laughs> well, it's a Toyota. It's going to go at least 200,000. It'll 200, go forever. 000. It'll right. go 200,000 Well, you know, when you're, when you're, it's it's really strange, because, like, it, it's true what they say, that, like, things are more expensive when you're broke, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if you can't afford four new tires, you just buy one new tire, and then you're, and then you're... You know, your second tire breaks, pops, and then, you you know, you don't have a AAA membership, so you have to pay for the towing out of pocket, right? Because yeah. you couldn't afford that AAA membership, you know? And, like, all the things, you know, it's harder and harder for people. Yeah, and the ironic thing is I, I listen to some prof- professional athletes, I think like Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan and some other people talk about stuff, and the the irony is that – once you're rich and famous and you have the money and the resources to pay and buy for whatever you want, then everybody gives you everything for free. Yeah. You get oh, yeah. Is this free. what I'm saying? Like <laughs> when you're, you know, if you're rich and famous and you go to a restaurant, they want you to come back to that restaurant. They just comp your meal. Yeah. You yeah. have to pay for shit at that point when you have the resources. You know what's happened to me? And it's, I never understood this either. Like in Las Vegas, there's been times when I've won a lot of money, right? And then they come up and they comp me a room for the night or they'll comp my dinner or whatever for winning a lot of money. I'm like, why don't you guys comp me when I lose? That's when I really need the money. But by the time you're broke, they got your money. They want you out. You know, like, yeah, like if, if you, please uh, get move along. If you right. got rich on you them, plenty they, of free drinks out of us. Keep you in that casino until you lose it again. That's ex- that's exactly what it is. It's the it's the movie Casino, one of my favorite movies. The guy, the whale from Japan, comes in and yeah. not only does he smoke them for one point two million in the casino, but he also takes towels, bathrobes, uh, bath bath salts, everything he can from his luxury suite that he didn't pay anything for. Right, and you know what happens? Uh, well, mysteriously, uh, there seems to be some issues with the plane, so. It looks like you're going to be here one extra night. Oh, and then he loses it all back. And he right. gives it all back. Yeah, that's, that's, just got to keep him, keep him playing. Just keep him coming. Just back. keep him playing. I met a guy who won like twenty seven thousand dollars playing baccarat and went back and lost it all the next night. And he was not a rich guy, you know. Like this mm. was a really amazing thing for him to do. Yeah, so. you just keep him playing. You just keep just him playing. Keep well. You got a fatter bankroll than them, and eventually, it's a there's streaks. You know, there's peaks and dollars along the way, the and eventually they're going to hit a bad odds. one. Right, and over time they always play out that way. Yeah, the, uh, they're going to outlast you. That's why I have like I can't do Vegas for more than like usually forty eight hours as as much as I can do. Yeah, you know, if I go that extra day, that's that's pushing it for me. Yeah, it's and, just it's too overstimulating. There's just yes. too many things to distract well, you. Get yeah, excited I for. Got, I got a method too, man. Like I, my my thing in Vegas is okay. This is one. There's I have some good tricks. I got some good Vegas tricks. I'm gonna share them. Are we is this part of the thing? Well, I guess 
are we are we in the show? Okay. <laughs> I mean, we've been talking for a while. I figured we are. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Are we warming up? Or, yeah. Anyway, um, for the listeners, here are your Vegas tips. Okay. Uh, one, the buffet. This is hey, this is how you work a, a Vegas buffet. All right. Uh, when you wake up, you're going to be hungry, but you you, you want to try to wake up, you know, at, at a reasonable hour, which for me is uh, I think you should try to wake up around 1030 and then get to the buffet uh, at 10:45, just go straight down there in your pajamas, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, and and you want to get in at 10:45 because you're still going to pay the breakfast rate. They're going to change everything over to lunch at 11, which means you've got 15 minutes to go around and get all the eggs, Benny, and the flapjacks, and the French toast, and and the bacon. If you're a bacon person, get as much bacon as you can. Just go grab that shit now. Right, just grab it, grab it, grab it. Make a huge plate of it. Even if you're not, you, you're like lukewarm and don't even know you want to eat that, right? And then go back and start eating it and eat what you like. Um, and then when they put the when they put the lunch back, when they punch the lunch out, just go back and, and get lunch because you've spent 15 minutes eating the the, the the breakfast part. And now and now instead of all the breakfast foods to choose from, you have like the pizzas and the. And the enchiladas and all the other foods they make. So you have the whole, and you got the lunch at the breakfast price, right? Even if you don't want any breakfast food, just go in there and hang out for 15 minutes and wait for lunch to come out. That's yeah. that's a great tip. And, of course, I eat, like, as much as I can, like, as much as humanly possible, right? <laughs> and, then I, and then I roll back uh, to my room, um, and usually I try to smoke a little weed and then, <laughs> and then take a dump if I can. And then go down to the pool and just lay around and, and soak up alcohol in the sun like a lizard. And just digest. You know, like when a snake eats and then they just don't move for three months or whatever. Yeah. And then they, <laughs> but, <laughs> they cough up a skeleton, you know. <laughs> well, that's what I, yeah, I do that by the pool. And then somewhere around like, you know, uh, three or four in the afternoon, I go up and shower and get all ready to go out. And, and, and around four, uh, that's when I start, you know, doing the town, whatever. Like, uh, you know, I start my, if I'm gambling, I'll start my gambling then. You know, and then you eat dinner like you're gonna eat dinner around like you know ten o'clock or midnight. Yeah, right. Definitely later than normal. And then you go rolling back into your room or like you know two in the morning, and then get up at ten fifteen. That kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Or later. You know, like my dad, he just doesn't just in sleep. time to catch he has to go to Vegas for forty eight hours because he will not sleep the whole time, and that's as, that's as long as he can go <laughs> before he like you know starts doing serious damage to his health. Yeah. Uh so that's that's one good trick. And then another good trick is uh, it doesn't matter what your game is. Like I, I like craps. I like blackjack. But um, go to like a go to a place like Caesars, right? Um, and Celine Dion's playing at Caesars, right? And then to find out the whole purpose of these shows is to fill everybody in through the front door, and then when it's time to leave, you just dump them right on the ca- casino floor, right? And everybody's in a good mood from seeing Celine, and they come out uh, through these doors that are right in the middle of the casino. And to get out of the place, even if you're not staying there, you still got to walk through the casino. So that's like more chances for them to, to get you. Yeah. Right. So find out when the show gets out or how long the show runs and when it starts. So, you know, when the show gets out and then um, go to a low stakes, like a five dollar craps table or, you know, ten dollar blackjack or whatever. And, and hit up that table and just play the minimum uh, and get to that table something like uh, 40 minutes before the show goes out. And then, and again, like, don't go crazy. Like, craps, everybody goes, everybody goes crazy in craps because they just, like, start throwing money all over the table to, like, get everything, right? Yeah. And really, it's a, it's a, it's a slow game, you know? Like, craps, you, you can, you can, you know, if you just want to play the, play the pass line, you can play it for a long time without actually losing a lot of money, right? 
Um, because if you put money on the board and then they roll a seven and you're out, you know, all that money just gets swept up. So yeah. just go easy for like, you know, 30 minutes, just hang out, get a couple of cocktails or whatever. When that show gets out, okay, here's the other part of that though. Here's the other part. While you're there playing those minimum bets and having your drinks and everything, you need to be like really nice, very positive, put out a positive energy, like get along well with all the people around you, kind of be the life of the party a little bit if you can, if that's in your personality, or if nothing else, be cordial, just be polite and nice to the dealers and everything, a a pleasant person, be a pleasant person for 30 minutes, right, Uh, and look like you're having a good time, right, the type of person that's that's good in a crowd, right, then what's going to happen is that table, like, just by magic, right, I'm not saying anything, but just let's just call it magic. That table is going to start to get hot. Lady Luck is as, as an angel is going to come visit that table, and she's coincidentally going to do it five minutes before the Celine Dion show gets out, mm-hmm. so that everybody at that table starts getting on a roll, right? And it's like craps is loud. Like somebody gets on a good roll, the whole table will explode, yeah. right? And they want it. They want to have. Those shows get out and dump all of those people into a casino full of happy winners, right? And then when all of those people see, like, oh, wow, this, this craps table's hot, they'll just immediately, especially the ones that are, like, addicts, will immediately just go stand at that table and start throwing money down. And, and, and when, that, when you see it getting hot like that, right, because you're sitting there a long time playing the minimum, but once you start to see it getting hot right before the show, that's when you bet heavy, Right, that's when you start playing some extra numbers. You see, it, you get a shooter that's going going on a run. That's when you start really, you know, playing the board, right? And then, and then when that show gets out, then go back to betting conservative and being nice, you know. And then you'll see once the table fills up, good time to like cash out and walk away, or go back to betting minimums, right? And just and just coasting it out, and then watch when that table gets full. They're going to start clipping people hard. Yeah. And they're just going to just milk as many people through there as they can. You know, that's how it happens. Yeah. The second you need to get to the table before it's crowded, before people are yelling, before they're screaming, you need to be in there when there's only a handful. And then once that table is full, people come around from everywhere. That's when it gets cold. You know, once that table is completely full, there's nowhere to get in the rooms. Yeah. It's squished like that. And that's how, and again, this is how they do it. I mean, I'm not saying they have any particular plot it just somehow works out in their in their favor this way but yeah you get it's everybody a, there excited it, put they throw their money down and then whew, wiped out the I whole have board a whole, my whole strategy is what i call the house player you want to be a house player you want to be a guy who who you're you're a guest at the hotel or whatever or in the casino you want to be a guy that goes in there you know or a lady or whatever uh that goes in there and 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 really helps them take everybody else's money like I've I've been. You want to be the cooler? Well, yeah. In a way, I mean, the cooler was like that was a cool movie, but uh, you know that was that was a different thing. But uh, this is a you know you're you're helping them like you know you're kind of selling it for them, right? You're you're the the that guy in the crowd, right? That you know when they have a plant in the crowd, you want to be like without being the actual plant, you want to kind of fulfill that role for them yeah like i'll sometimes i'll just say straight up you know if i sit down at an empty table you know um you know they'll be like hey how's it going today i'm like oh it's going good you guys look a little slow you know just chit chatting it's like yeah it's a slow part of the day and i was like well i tell you what you deal me some good hands and and uh make me a winner today i I will hoot and holler and i'll get people to sit at this table and and uh, we'll fill this place up right 
And I've actually just said that like point blank a few times, you know, like, okay, well, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And they're, you know, um, and, but then lo and behold, like I get really lucky on those times, you know, like I've had some amazing, you know, blackjack runs where I'm just getting like all, getting paid all kinds of money, you know? And then people start sitting down and then you're like, Oh, have you, oh, have you played blackjack before? Let me show you how it's done. Sit down, you know, or people are watching you. Cause like, you know, Oh man, I got another blackjack. You know, you say it real loud yeah. and then people come over cause you're making a commotion, you know, and you're like, you know, and you got Linda dealing you, you know, right. And like Linda here is just giving me bullets all night. You know, come on, let's get another ace, Linda, you know, and then everyone's like cheering for Linda for dealing me, you know, blackjacks and yeah. and then people start sitting down, you know, and you've made a little party happen. And then once the table gets kind of full, you're like, well, good luck. I got to go eat, you know, <laughs> take your money and go. Yeah. You know, that's a that's a strategy. It works. You, know, you just got to <coughs> you got to think like the casino, like who do they want to win? Because they say they don't have control and they, they, they you know, but they kind of do like, you know, the slot machines on the end of the row, the one that's right by the main walkway. Right, they hit so much more. Like if you, if you're like me, like when I play slots, I don't expect to win. I don't like slots that much, but I'll I'll play especially if I'm just having a conversation with a friend and we just want a place to drink a couple beers. Yeah, you know, and just go plunk some nickels in a machine and see what happens. You know, uh, I'll go deep into the row, you know, and then just sit back in a corner just to have a nice, you know, relatively quiet space. It's a casino after all. <laughs> you know, ding 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 yeah. ding. But if you're if you're like trying to win. Play the one on the edge that's right by the walkway, the one that nobody actually wants to sit at because uh, it's annoying to have all those people walking by you all the time. That one on the edge hits a lot more all the time in all the casinos. And it, I don't know, is that statistically because people are playing it more and you see it hit more? Or, it, you know, I mean, I know that like, the gaming commission keeps track and they have serial numbers and it's all computerized now and everything like that, but... You know, they can tell you, like, which machines are hitting more, like, as a percentage. But I'd be willing to bet. I'd be willing to... Like, gambling here. I'd be willing to bet if we had the data that the one on the edge is the one that's going to pay out more, you know? Yeah. Well, like you said, it's good for PR, that's for sure. But, man, you're talking about craps. That's uh, that's actually... That's one of my favorite games, too. I, I get my ass kicked all the time, it seems like, but... Definitely well, a fun game. Well, to play. the thing is, again, you got to kind of go slow because once you the table do. gets hot, you can't help but win. You yeah. know, if the table gets you do, hot, you got to you got to ease into it. People want to you, you want to hit that first big point and you want to press it up and you want to you know decide what's going to happen quick. But yeah, you just you need to start. You make some small bets. You see if they can kind of build on it's them. It's a long haul. It can be a long. I'm one of my best nights playing craps. I was down in in old Fremont area, uh, and I think it was in the Four Queens, and there was literally, there was some kind of Elvis thing happening, right? You know, it's like, how cliche, but there was like three Elvises mm-hmm. playing craps, you know, and it's like a $5 craps table. And I'm like, and it was like three in the morning, you know, and I'm like, this is so Vegas right now. I'm playing, I'm playing craps with three Elvises three in the morning, <laughs> you know, down in the old, old part of town. Uh-huh. Um, but I was at that table, I mean, well into the next day. Uh, and I won a few thousand dollars on a five dollar craps table. Really? Um, but I was playing for like six, six, eight hours or whatever, like late at night, and went through a whole shift of dealers. Yeah, when you know when but, some of the biggest losses are being taken. Well, yeah, you just go slow. You just go slow, and and then you you know if it gets if it gets hot, you just start you put a little bit more out when it gets hot, and then that becomes more, and then you know you can you can press your bet 
or what I like to do is just shave a little bit of those winnings and keep them, mm-hmm. and then press some of the bet, you know, or press it every other time, so you're not always just leaving all the money on the table. You got to take money off the table. That's really important. Yeah, at some point. But yeah. you know, like you get a little portfolio positions on the on the craps table, right? Yeah. And then somebody goes on a run, and then you know they're all hitting. Uh, and then like you get if you get jittery, you just like you know I'm off. I'm like pull my bets and you just pull them all back. Yeah. You know, and then you've just made a good little haul. Yeah. And start over, right? And that's kind of the fun of it for me is like I I try to like start with like $5 or $10 and see how much money can I get. Can I get this $5 back first of all, right? <laughs> that's the first goal. And then after I've got that $5 back, how much money can I get on the board with this, you know? It's fun. It's a little too much fun, which is why I don't go very often. I can't I can't go to Vegas very much because I know that I like to gamble enough that you know, it's gonna, it could be bad for me. <laughs> I went uh, to Tulalip. Um, I like Tulalip. I think it's a nice place. Yeah, it's not bad. I went up there, uh, this is probably about two years ago now, um, and we had just gone snowboarding. Me and my buddy we were kind of tired coming home. We are like, yeah, you want to pop in the casino for a little bit? And he's like, yeah, sure. Burn an hour or two. And this guy was playing there. He was rolling on the dice. It was a shorthanded table, four or five people playing. And this guy got on the dice. He had a, he had a pretty big roll. He ends up starts throwing. He has max bets on all the numbers across the line. He's playing everything max bet. He's 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 got like eleven hundred bucks. On, oh, oh my god! I don't on, like the way the story's going on each of them, and and no, he timed it perfectly. Like we were playing with him a little bit, we kind of snuck in. We had just got there when he was uh, started doing his thing, but uh, we got in on the tail end of it, and he was hit. He was hitting him. He was oh, hitting he, him. He, he, he was rolling for a while. I nice. mean, he didn't have to go that crazy, you know. But he hit like every one of them at least once. And yeah, they're paying. They're they're paying him out, and he's they're paying him out like sixteen hundred bucks sometimes just for one one die roll. Yeah. And he made like fifteen, sixteen grand. Then he was like, ah, that was a good roll, and he packed it up and he took off and made probably fifteen grand in twenty minutes. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, if you're you know, like you said, if you're willing to. Keep pressing it, and you get hot. It, it's good, but like you said, sometimes so you gotta. People come out the gate that way, like yeah. Some, I've seen people just show up, and they're just like you know, they roll a four or whatever, and then they're just like, okay, give me everything, you know. Like, <laughs> I'll bet against myself, you know. Like, what else you got? Fire bet? Sure, I'll take that. <laughs> bet I don't make it out of here alive. I'll take that. Well, you know, sometimes it happens where people just get lucky, and you can't help but win. It's, yeah, you know. That's why gambling's fun and it's scary. It's got to be somewhat like you know, uh, it's got to be somewhat random. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the one that like as far as gambling that I like that it's because it kind of makes no sense and it's it's a it's definitely a tradition uh, that's fun and I would even venture to say it's you know a, a sporting event is horse racing. You know, I mean, the athlete is the horse. Yeah, but um, well, and, and the, the it's pretty. It, it's hard for those jockeys to whip them on yeah, the butt like that. That takes too, a lot sure. of work. Yeah, 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 those guys are definitely, and that's a skill set, and it's not easy what they do. But um, but you know, like it's it's not like dice where you know the odds. Like they give you odds, they put odds on the horses. But you know, if a horse like has diarrhea, or you know, like there could be all kinds of problems with a horse, right? Like. It's got a cold, and like no, like how do you know when a, whole, a horse has a yeah. cold? Like it's um, yeah, he's got a he's got a little splinter in one of his things or whatever. It's yeah, giving him or some the grief. Horse in the next stall made a joke about him right before he left and mm-hmm. psyched him out or something. Yeah, you know? like somebody you sexually harassed him, spanked him on the ass or something. You and... don't know like what they're thinking or feeling. They're actual, you know, uh, creatures. That reminds me, I'm probably going to go there on Father's Day. I should probably 
book my uh, book my my seats. The Downs. Yeah, I go to Emerald Downs. I like to go on Father's Day. You know that that's a good day for it. Actually, gamble my kids. Kids, college fortune Future college fund. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Harvard or community college? Let's go. Come on. BCC, baby. Here we come. Uh, they, uh, yeah. I take him, too. Like, it's nice. They're very fan- it's yeah. family friendly. You yeah. know? It is. And the horses hot- make it fun for the kids. You yeah, know? They, they see like the horses, the horses and you get a hot dog and there's balloons and yeah. they have other things going on, you know. That's a good idea. I got a buddy who lives down there, actually. Maybe we should. Well, I'm thinking about. Um, I contacted them. See, the other thing about casinos is like one of the things I one of the things I work I worked as a waiter and a and a and a cook. I've worked in a lot of restaurants as a restaurant manager, right? And I almost went to um, a culinary arts school for like a, a restaurant and hotel manager's degree. That was actually like a thing. I, I already had a degree in literature, but I was this was a, a trade school thing I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and learn to chef it up a little bit and basically be like a restaurant tour or hotelier, right? Um and one of the things I just I, I, I really like and really appreciate and, and will pay a, I will pay extra money for it, like a, you know, a significant amount extra for good service. Yeah. Right. If I'm going to a restaurant or a hotel that I know has really good service, you know, I, I'm usually a very good tipper, you know. I like to um I, I, t- I tip usually twenty percent, twenty five percent if it's good. Yeah. You know? It's it takes a lot for me to like give somebody a shit tip. Um, I mean, I got to be really like pissed at somebody's because it's. A, it's but what's a, a shit tip though? Well, for me, like if you, you had know, shitty 15, service and you gave them ten percent, is like bad for me. Well, 10. but what if the service wasn't good though? That's that's the only time I'll do that. Yeah, I mean, you got to kind of you got to convey that message. I agree with you that when you do get good service. You need to reward them for that because that's why they're putting in that extra Even if effort. It's mediocre service. It's a hard. It's a hard trade. It's a hard job. Yeah, Just respecting that somebody's working is is you know that's their that's their life. Decent service where somebody just brings you the food while it's hot, you know, refills your coffee. Like that's that that's you know they don't even have to smile if they refill the coffee. You know, <laughs> just keep it keep that hot. Just keep that baby full. Um, but you know the the casinos always have just amazing service. Right, and if you have a bad service experience at a casino, it's rare. But like, if you do, and you talk to people there, and you're like, you know, what the hell is this? Yeah, you know, because if you're losing money, you should at least feel like you're, you know, being treated like a like royalty. Or yeah. So yeah, I called up the track, and then and somebody called me back like right away, you know, because you can. Uh, I want to reserve box seats, you know, because um, I think it's what is it like, ten bucks or whatever to get in get in. Probably something like that. Yeah, it's not yeah. that much. Yeah. And then the box seats are like twelve dollars, and but you got to buy them four or six at a time because you're getting a box, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so I'm like, yeah, I should just call up and get a couple of couple of boxes for Father's Day, you know, and then just get some because I'm only going to use we're just going to use two of them. Like yeah. My wife and I, and then our kid doesn't sit down; he just runs around all the time. <laughs> so, um, you know, so then like you know, get get some other people and actually like have a nice little party. Yeah. Out there. That's not a bad idea, man. That's uh, what what day is Father's Day? It's Sunday. It's always Sunday in June. In June. I think it's the end of June. Okay, yeah. It's like in a couple of weeks, on the 17th or something. Yeah. No, it, it's fun, though. I mean, but yeah, like you're saying, you gotta, you got to wonder, like, these guys that are making the odds, what are these? who are these guys? What, what, and what the hell are they going off of here? Well, you know, a- there's professional handicappers, and, they, and, and the horses do have stats. Like, I, I mean, think about it like it's the same as kind of like um, fantasy football. <laughs> like you got stats on all the guys, mm-hmm. and and you know who's good and who's not good. You know if you're if, especially if you're a football fan, you yeah. Know, and and you follow them, and you can tell who's 
you know, like when you you're picking, and it, isn't there? There's money involved in that. I don't do that, but yeah. I don't I don't know enough about football to be in a fantasy fantasy football league. But you know, those those um, those people like make you know they're making choices based on on the statistics and what they know about the players and everything. And if you know, for example, that you know players you know just got an injury or they have some other there's other contingencies that you know get factored in and they know that stuff about the horses you know yeah this horse is a you know has an injury or this horse hasn't raced in a while or this horse is like just coming out of training or this horse is was in training for a long time and it's run three races and and did well in the last three also when they win what kind of other horses are they going up against younger horses older horses bigger horses faster horses they have times on all these horses you know, like they they qualify for these races. You know, it's like a it's like a car race. You have to qualify. Like I couldn't just like, you know, go down there with some old nag and be like, hey, I want to race today. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You have to, you know, they you have to show up and qualify and yeah. Um, so they they these horses aren't un, unknown factors. Um, but yeah, they when they handicap them, those people who know about them give them numbers, and then all they do is just uh, take the numbers they started with. And and because they, they 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 plug them all into a computer, right? They know that no matter who wins in whatever order, that they're going to make money, and that's how they get they figure out what odds to put on there. And then if they put, you know, then they then they change the odds to reflect what people are betting on. Yeah. Everybody bets on one on one horse, it becomes the favorite. Nobody gets any money, you know, yeah. when, it, when it wins. Everybody bets on the New England Patriots, and yeah, nobody gets any money, but. But then the Patriots win. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. if they don't win, <laughs> you don't get that money either. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, – I don't know. The stats and stuff, like you brought up fantasy football. And I feel the same way about like predicting like good sports players as I do about people predicting like stock picks. It's like they'll more than willing to be talking about the times that they were right and they nailed it and, oh, yeah, that guy was right on point. But nobody brings up the times that they fucked up or they lost money or they – said somebody was going to be awesome and they were a complete bust yeah that's true it's like is anybody really is, are accounted for that well like as far as a the difference is though with an individual a player, winning percentage like if a player could have player can have something very personal happen to them and then and then their skills because they still have a life right yeah like if a player you know you know their parent dies or something like that and then now they're all depressed and they don't play so good this week right but you know, with like stocks, those are companies you know that are pretty huge, and and they have products and there's and there's, you know, and a lot of like a lot of stuff that happens like in the news, you can do stock picks just based on what's in the news, you know, like the BP, the BP oil disaster in the Gulf of Mexico, right? It took like, I think like three months or whatever for BP to finally lose all the value from that, you know, because their stock went down a lot when that yeah. happened. But it didn't go down just like the next day. Like, you know, people were like, oh, well, you know, it's a big company and there's problems everywhere, right? And then they're like, oh, it's on CNN. Oh, it's been on CNN 24-7 for the last, four, you know, 14 and days. all that time there's been oil gushing just into gushing. the we're Gulf. We're all just watching on live TV as hundreds of gallons a second goes just spewing into the ocean, you know, and yeah. everyone's like, what? And people are getting more and more angry by the minute. You know, it's a huge disaster. All the shrimp are dead. They're taking all the shrimp fishermen and like having them, you know, go out with oil cleaning equipment to you know so they can still make money. I mean, that was a really huge. That was a big thing, and it yeah. screwed up a lot of people in a huge economy. The whole all the Gulf states like lost all their tourism because nobody yeah. wanted to go in the water. 
you know they they completely underestimated how bad that was gonna be when it first started that's for sure and it's funny that you actually bring that up because i actually bought their stock while that was going on because like you said like at first oh. it was nothing there was it was barely a hit you know all the stock was down one two percent eh, you know whatever whatever and then after a week had been going on, and then it was like ten days it had been going on, yeah. and it was like okay, uh, now the uh, today uh, BP down eight percent, and it's like oh okay, and it, it, the price was swinging wildly. So I kind of I got lucky there, and I caught a falling knife basically, yeah. you know, and actually did make turn a profit. But uh, yeah, things got really crazy there yeah, for a you, while. If you if you saw if you were like. You know this looks bad, and nobody understands how bad this is really going to be. Like if you're if you're not seeing it in the news, you're like you watch the news, and you're like, geez, these guys are not taking this seriously. This, you know, from where I'm sitting, this looks pretty bad. <laughs> so you know, you sell all the stock right then, you know, because it still hasn't gone down, mm-hmm. and then you just watch the fallout, and then when it hits the bottom, you know, you're like, geez, this is real low. Plus, also BP is like huge, like oh, a, a behemoth. <clears throat> they had a, a gigantic big, company that's been around for like a hundred years. Yeah, well, the Queen of England owned it. Yeah, I mean, you know, they um, they ended up getting fined like a billion dollars, but their profit every year is like seven billion. Yeah. so it's not even a year's profit. Yeah, you know, so they they're fine. Yeah, you know, they're coming back. And uh, and if you'd bought it, if you sold it at the top and bought it at the bottom, you'd get to all the those shares, you know, share for share, half price. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It pretty much was. It, it really was, you know, because yeah, there was a day or two when that was down double digits, you know, eleven, twelve percent. And you think about that, a company that's that big, three or four hundred billion, they're, they're worth forty billion less today than they were yesterday. Oh, and that like, whole thing with United, where everybody, everybody freaked out on United because they dragged that dude off the plane, which was terrible. We all know that was terrible. Yeah, you know. But then their stock took a, a hit on a, on an emotional trade. All these people, everyone's like, you know, uh, you know, oh, the, you know, this is going to kill United and all this other stuff. And I, like, when they said that, I lo- went and looked. 52-week high on their trading was $72 a share. That's where they were, mm-hmm. right? And the 52-week low a year ago, $36 a share. Their, their share price doubled in a year, right? Because United was a shit airline and couldn't get anything done. And they came in and they rerouted and they made things leaner and they cut some costs. And, you know, they started strong-arming people off the plane, you know, like <laughs> overbooking or whatever their tactic was that yeah. led to that moment. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, Jesus, you know, even if this company loses half its value, it's still going to be where it was a year ago. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, nothing's going to happen to these guys. Like, and everyone's going to forget. And plus, like, you're going to boycott United, fine. But what's going to happen when you want to go to Hawaii and, you know, you know, there's three airlines going there on the same day that you need to go there. And United is like $150 cheaper per ticket. Yeah. You might be boycotting them now, but if you're taking a family of three or four, you know, would you rather save $600 or have your have your integrity? Yeah. Most people take the $600. <laughs> have your integrity. You can't have both. <laughs> well, you know, like, just where are you going to put your integrity? You know? Yeah, like, exactly. Like, I never said it's, I was going to boycott United. Yeah. I'm going to take the good deal. It's, I mean, yeah, that that situation, obviously they handled that poorly, but it's just, like you said, it's just a blip on the radar. It's just, it, people eventually forget about oh, it, and it's not that it was good, it. and it's not that it was good, and it was bad PR, but here's, here's the thing that I appreciate about the situation, is to me, it's an example of why the free market works well, because they handled that situation poorly, they got negative press, you know, things look bad for them, 
And then they made changes because of that. They right. made changes to their policy, and they said, we're not going to do that anymore. People will be offered this and that if they don't want to get off the plane, and you know, we were overbooked. And the this problem was solved on its own. You know, It was right. just the bad PR they took. And the company's going to be fine. You know, the, the company doesn't deserve to go under just because they handled one customer poorly. And, and, yeah, and, and he got a check. You know, he, he cashed out. They need to give him a check. He, 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 and he, he did. He, 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 he they settled with him. <laughs> you know? They need to settle with him. Yeah, they did. And, they, and, and they again, they're changing their good and yeah and but again they changed their policy other airlines did too you know they saw the situation oh, and said oh to. god we don't want to deal with yeah, that fucking make, nightmare yeah so <laughs> all right yeah well ten ten thousand we'll give you ten thousand all right if it happens you know but but like you said they cut costs they tighten things up and that's what they do they overbook the plane because they know that humans are humans and yeah. when People you're counting make- on 250 of them to show up for a flight Two I can't or, get two, five people to come to a comedy show. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> two or three of them. Even if they already paid, they're not going to show up. Yeah. They're not going to show up. Yeah, you know, all the time. yeah. And it's just it, and yeah. again, it's that pencil neck guy who crunched the numbers and he said, "Yeah, we'll." we'll Statistically, it's between you know two and seven percent that miss a flight, and mm-hmm. you know if you overbook by two percent, you're probably within a you know one standard deviation margin of blah blah blah. Yeah, and here's the thing: if I paid five hundred bucks for that ticket, we'll just use a nice easy price. And the plane's overbooked, and they said, all right, um, listen, guys, we're overbooked. Uh, we'll offer somebody a $2,000 flight voucher, and you'll get your money back for the flight. I'd be like, boom. If I don't have somewhere to be, it's done. Yeah. I'll wait. I'll wait two hours. I don't give a fuck. I'll, I'll get the next flight out of there. Well, that's like uh, you know a lot of people who voluntarily fly on standby. All the, I know people who do that all the time. They fly on stage just like every time they go on standby. You know they'll they'll tell the airline when they get there like hey if you need anybody to go on standby standby, you know I'll do it mm-hmm. and and they'll usually they'll take a lot off your uh, they'll you know refund your ticket or give you company credit or whatever yeah yeah airlines are shitty though they're just those are terrible companies like they're you know there's been a lot of talk over the years about passenger bill of rights and stuff like that because they have a lot of control over you when you're on the plane like yeah. You know, it's like a sovereign state that you're in. You kind, it kind of is, and it's totalitarian. It's for your safety. You don't want people revolting. You know, Um, but yeah, you sit in, sit in your chair, put your seatbelt on. You know, like if you don't, if you don't get in your chair, we're not taking this plane anywhere. Yeah, you know, so people follow the rules so they don't get to go, Mm -hmm. and they have a lot of power, and I think sometimes they abuse that. Yeah, well, it's crazy too to me that they have like air marshals on a lot of planes now too. You know, like well, they've been doing that since nine eleven. They've had they, they, I mean, that's actually they've been doing that since before. You know, has it been that long, really? Well, passenger fifty seven, dog. I mean, that was he was an air marshal. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? They have uh, uh, they have they have you know all kinds of uh, stories where there's like you know. Die Hard. I think in one of the Die Hard movies, wasn't there a guy who was like on that? Wasn't it Die Hard Two? Wasn't there like no? I'm thinking something else. But there was there was, there was like a, a guy on the plane, or maybe I'm thinking of uh, I don't know anything. that's like a plane action movie. There's always an air marshal in it. Yeah, I just think that's crazy though. That there's somebody like kind of hiding with, amongst the ranks, you know, with a gun like, on a pressurized airplane. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that makes sense. Let's let's give a guy an instrument that can poke a hole in this thing, so that if he needs to take somebody out, he can just take all of us out. Yeah. Well. Well. Technically, it's not like the movies to show. You know, you, 
where somebody blows a hole and Sylvester Stallone's holding on for dear life as a gigantic hole came in the plane. Usually, I mean, it might fragment a little bit, but it, it won't be. Well, it's also not like outer space or anything. Yeah, yeah. but he can also he can always hit a, a, a wire, a cord, a tank of, of something, yeah. you know? I mean, that's where you, the issue comes Short in. Short something out, and mm-hmm. then, you know, the plane doesn't work so good when it's got holes in it. Yeah, the rudder, yeah, the rudder hydraulic fluid is spewing everywhere, and yeah, so it's that, that's pretty crazy, but it is a weird industry, though, man. It's it's a weird industry that it's like... Well, a lot of industries are getting things from A to B. I mean, that's actually the work you do. You mm-hmm. have items that they come in on a big truck that get divided up into little trucks, and then those little trucks take them into even littler pieces and go deliver them at all these individual locations. Yeah. You know, and and that's what I do. Like, you know, uh, I, I grow orchids, and orchids, there are places in the world where they just grow a plenty. You can... You know, if you live in Hawaii or Florida, you can literally just throw them on your fence in your backyard and they'll just grow. You know, you don't have to do anything to them. But then you come someplace like here and, you know, you have to work hard for them and they're not just everywhere. Right. This, you know, is sort of a a rarity of them in this area. So if you can take something, you know, where it is a plenty and and move it to where it is scarcity, uh, that's you can make money doing that. Just moving things around. And if it's people, you know, there's a lot of people in uh, in Seattle there's not a lot of people on a beach in Tahiti, you know. <laughs> we need to get more people there. Well, I think they just move them there, then they move them back. But mm-hmm. moving people around, that's you can make money. Yeah. People Uber and Lyft. So it's, you know, it's not quite the same. You don't have the same level of power. Like, yeah. you know. Similar principle, though. But, yeah, and it's crazy now, too, these airlines. Like you're saying, they're cutting costs. They're doing this and that. There's some airlines now that are looking to offer a standing room only ticket. How does that even work? So there'll, there'll just be a section of the plane where you you, you know obviously you get a smoking good deal and you just stand. You get to, it's like a bus. You like you know the company is called Airbus, but it it literally be like you're riding the bus through the air. Like you're just standing there holding the little wire. Maybe what they the buckle fuck? you what into about something. The landing and takeoff when they want everybody buckled in. I, maybe they have some kind of harness for you. I don't know. I I've never seen it. I've just been hearing they're talking about it. But well, I remember back in back in the day. Uh, if you were to go to, um, they made smoking on domestic flights illegal. Yeah. Then, good. Yeah. Well, yeah. God. Can't even believe that was legal at one point. Smoke a cigarette on a fucking tube that's with pressurized air. Like you're saying, yeah. this guy's going to fire up a heater right next to you. Give me a fucking well, break. Also like yeah, they recycle all the air in there. So, uh, but then on, uh, on international flights, you could still smoke, but you could only smoke in the back of the plane. So they have that little galley back there where the, um, where the you know the, the flight attendants you know make all the food and everything. And mm-hmm. some of those planes, that area is kind of big, but it ended up being for um, a lot of those flights. You know, you'd get on a seven forty seven jumbo and you'd go back to that galley, and it was like a little smokers lounge. And you and that was a really fun way to travel too, because uh, I went to uh, Europe and and Australia uh, on planes like that, and you go back there, and they're like you know. Flight attendants are pouring drinks. Everybody's having cigarettes. You know, it's like a little disco back there. You know, and people are, you're meeting people and having a good time and all those squares that are, it's a red eye. Everybody's sleeping through the flight, but you're back there like, you know, making friends, you know, and you land like, 
you were at a party on that plane. When you land, you're like you're like walking out of the club. <laughs> you know, you're supposed to be. It's it's a red eye where you know you're you're flying overnight, but in this case, you were just up all night. At, you know, kind of like it's just a party. Just at a party, basically. <laughs> you're at a party that was in the middle of the sky, thirty thousand feet in the air. It was like that, man. You know, like I took a flight to uh, to Sydney, and yeah, the uh, Qantas guy just kept giving me whiskey. And uh, you're smoking cigarettes back there, you know, and then uh, these New Zealanders come back there and they're talking it up and, you know, I'm making friends with them. And, you know, it was like it was like a real, you know, it was a real fun flight. Like, I had a really good time. I, when I got off, I was I was feeling kind of refreshed, actually, instead of, you know, because instead of sitting in that uncomfortable chair the whole time, just wishing your life would end because this flight is just terrible. Yeah. You know, you're back there acting like, like sardines. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Now they're getting there's some super luxury stuff though. Like they have like planes where you can like truly, you know, for a while their first class was just a bigger seat, but now first class is really getting truly first class. You pay for it a lot. It's yeah. like ten thousand dollars each yeah. way, but you got your own room and they're bringing you champagne, Dom Perignon or whatever. Yeah. And you know, uh, your seat fully reclines to lay turns down into to a, a bed. bed. Yeah. You know, and they have they even have ones now where. Your your seat, you can just if you're if you have, if, if you have a seat mate, you can fold your armrest thing down and your seats back, so that your two seats together become like a queen bed or whatever, like a twin large twin bed, and then the TV while you, when you recline it moves up, so you can lay down in the bed and still look up <laughs> and watch your movie in flight. You don't want to hurt your neck. You don't want to jerk it too much looking no, forward. Man. You don't want to wear one of those stupid donut pillows looking yeah. like a fool. No, no you got to, you know, have that true luxury. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. And as, as, you know, as unorthodox as it is, as I talk about the standing room only, this is what innovation has done to the airline industry now. Like you said, they got the, they got the first class, they got the luxury, which you're going to pay for it. It's going to be ten thousand dollars on that long flight, but it is luxury. You know, yeah, they got true, all the amenities. Luxury. Yes, if you're rich enough that it doesn't matter, you're going to pay that. You're going to pay, you're going to pay that. that. And right. what you're doing when you pay that is you're subsidizing that cheaper flight for right. those people who want the standing room only. And yeah. at this point, at least the airline, if nothing else, at least they're offering a ticket at pricing points for different people. Yeah. You know, how much do you want to pay? You need to get somewhere. Standing what are you looking room to pay? Only, though, it's kind of weird because, like, Jesus, can you? Imagine, like, I've never been on a bus where I had to stand for more than, like, maybe a 40-minute or if it's, like, a heavy traffic, like, an hour-long bus ride. Yeah. But if you're going to fly to, like, let's say, you know, first of all, if you're on a 40-minute flight, you can't stand up on that plane because it's not big enough. Yeah. You know, those planes are always tiny. Yeah. And then if you're on a flight that's big enough, a plane's big enough that you can actually stand up, then... uh you know, maybe that's got to be like a long flight, man. It's yeah, be a big you plane. definitely got to be able to walk around and move around and stuff. But. Some of these planes now have also they have like um, you know like business class, and then they have like a business class lounge where you have a seat in business class, and the other seat's a little bigger than coach. It's nothing like special, and maybe it's a little nicer in there. Yeah. But what's really nice is that they have like a little area upstairs. It's basically like a Starbucks on the plane. <laughs> it's just got like little chairs here and there, and little end tables and stuff. And they're all bolted down or whatever. And there's a guy in the corner, and he'll make you a latte or, you know, cocktail or sandwich if you want it. Yeah. And it's just like a little cafe that you're hanging out in, and that's cool too. Yeah. You know? I think that's. That would... Yeah, that's uh, I I've only, 
I've only gone on one like long international flight and um actually it wasn't even that big of a plane it was like a 787 i think so it was like bigger than the domestic flight plane but not gigantic but um yeah the 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 thing with the international flights too is like the obviously they're typically really long and i didn't realize this at the time i was actually I thought I was like impressed with myself, but I flew from here to uh, Heathrow in London and a nine hour long flight and I didn't get up or use the bathroom one time the entire flight. Jesus. And I was like impressed with myself. And when I was in London, That's I was impressive, but it's also depressing. Well, it's, it is, it is a little depressing, but I just didn't want to hassle with it, you know, whatever, but that actually can be really bad for your health. That, well, I got to London and I was visiting one of my mom's friends. She's a flight attendant that lives over there. And she was horrified when I told her that she was like, Oh no, you're not. No, you can't do that. You're not supposed to, you got to get up and walk around. She told me all this stuff. And I was like, Oh yeah, I guess you're probably circulation right. Circulation to your legs. Yeah. Because, you know, you can actually, uh, get, um, like, uh, what is it? A blood clot. Yeah, it happens. Like uh, there was a guy who, uh, it was a young guy, and he had like a, uh, what's it when a blood it's aneurysm when a blood clot gets to mm, your brain? Yeah, uh, he had an aneurysm because he was playing video games for twelve hours straight and never got off the couch. And that can happen to you. Like, yeah, you have to, that's actually a real danger. On yeah, the plane. it is. And and again, yeah, I, I and I was like impressed with myself. I just like oh, I didn't want to bug anybody. I don't want to be crawling over people or whatever. And I didn't like. I w- it was going by myself, so I wasn't like you know pre-funking and drinking before the flight. Oh, that's so. when I pre-funk and drink the hardest. When you're by yourself, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, if I'm flying and I'm alone, I'm gonna be bored. I'm gonna get wasted. Oh, I will. Oh, shit, you can, funny. and it's not. You know what the thing is too is like you can. Um, if you buy those little bitty bottles, you can get alcohol on a plane. Yeah. You know, and then they'll bring you alcohol, you know, and if they cut you off, you, you get your own little reserve. Don't. And then you, you start going through those, or you, you can... Don't let them catch you, though. That, that's a big deal now if they catch you. Uh, right. I mean, I mean, yeah, if you're sneaky, you can get away with it, obviously. You look around. Just okay. throw them out and throw the bottles out when you go to the bathroom. They'll never know. Yeah. You're not going to run fingerprints on those things. No, yeah. You, you, I've you, also, like... Uh, uh, it's uh, like a baseball game. You got You can do it, but you just got to on the deal hot chocolates also uh, jesus like, oh yeah right before i get on a plane i'll just eat four of them really just nom nom like cookie monsters <laughs> just go through Don't, them have you ever like freaked out while you're on the plane like, oh yeah you just like <laughs> i was like oh shit i'm tripping you know and you just kind of sit there quiet and you know your eyes are dilated like crazy you know that's a good time that's a really good time to pull out the ipad and you know play a video game or just watch a movie or something, you know, just take it easy. Yeah. But um, if you get stir crazy, that's when you have a problem. Right? Yeah. You don't want to make sure it's like an indica. You want to do, if you're going to do that, do it with an indica. Cause <laughs> Downer. If you, yeah, yeah. Cause if you get, if you get too jumpy in a sativa, you know, and have plenty of snacks, that's important too. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure it's an indica. Otherwise the, you might be dealing with that air marshal soon enough. Well, I'll be laid back, you know. <laughs> I won't be resisting, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like you have to get off the plane. Yeah, man, let's get off the plane. <laughs> I mean, whatever, dude. Just sure, it's your plane, man. I just got a ticket, you know. <laughs> no, if I'm traveling, I like to. I like to travel. I like to be relaxed when I travel, you know, because uh, traveling is stressful. You know, you gotta you gotta relax. So. Why is it so stressful, though? I mean, it's it seems like it's so easy on us as individuals. Um. Well, you know, I think. It's stressful because you're leaving a familiar environment, and and then with all of the security stuff, like they just they ratchet up the stress there with the with the you know 
take your shoes off, and then there's a, there's a subconscious thing, which is like, we're looking for terrorists, which means, you know, then that's in your head. Terrorists? Like, well, you know, <laughs> what do you mean terrorists? Oh, there's terrorists around here? <laughs> uh, but then that part's on, you know, then that starts getting on your, that can get on your brain, and then, you know, um, it's a, it's confined space, and you have to wait your turn. There's a lot of waiting in lines. Yeah. You know, you're waiting in line to check in. You're waiting in line to get your luggage. You're waiting in line to, to get through security. You're, once you get get to the gate, you have to wait in line to get on the plane. Then when you're on the plane, you're you know it's basically like a long line to get back to your seat. And then you get to your seat, and it's this cramped little space. And if you want to go to the bathroom, you got to crawl over somebody to go wait in line at the back of the plane. You know, and then to get off the plane, guess what? You're waiting in line. When they open that door, everybody. Fills up the plane aisle. Yeah. And if you're if you're sitting near the back, you gotta wait. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's one of those it's like watching sand go through an hourglass because like, you know, there's just one stream of people leaving the plane, but you can see this huge you can see the clusterfuck of people and then this tiny little stream that filters through the middle of people leaving down that aisleway. And then the front of the plane is empty, but you're still in this crowded ass back of the plane. Yeah. You know, there's like the weird moment when you're in the back of the plane and it's just crowded. It's just people everywhere, but you're looking at the front of the plane. It's like a ghost town and people are walking out single file. And, you know, and then once you get off, you got to wait. Now you're waiting in line for, uh, uh, to get your bag, and it's oh, and there's lifting. There's lots of lifting involved, you know, like your light lifting. Or, so your body's actually kind of getting tired with each step of this process. And now you are in wherever you are going, right, which is not your home, and you have to find transportation because you're not staying at the airport. Clearly, you have to find or arrange or have arranged transportation to take you to where you're actually going, right? And if it's a different country, you know, now you're speaking a different language to do that, and you're trying to, you know, you don't know. You you may know where you are. Like if I'm visiting a place I'm familiar with, you know, that I'm I know the area. Okay, I can do okay. But if it's someplace completely new to me, you know, and then I'm like, where's the where's the restaurant? Where's the hotel? Where's the you know? Where's the taxi guy? Where's uh, you don't know where anything is, you know. And then even if you know basic stuff like you want to go see the waterfront, and we're like, where's the waterfront? I don't even know where water is in this place, you know. <laughs> like it's just it's that's what makes it stressful, Agua? you know. Removing yourself from your familiarity, and then and then the physical stress involved, and then like this sort of mental, you know, you have to sort of mentally corral yourself, and you can't. You're not you're not free. When you're traveling, you're 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 definitely confined yeah. to a very strict set of rules. Yeah, you know it's very communistic. Yeah, I mean you're. You know, it is. It's like like the lines and everything. It's like almost kind of dehumanizing when you're waiting for the lines. The you're whole doing process your bag. is dehumanizing, and it's and it's <laughs> especially if you're it's somebody like cattle being herded through. Yeah, or if you're like uh, traveling and you're like a you know if you're like transgender and you get pulled out to get searched every time because that body scan confuses people, you know they're like oh wait parts don't match okay pat down you know and and then that's like you know that's it added stress for those people or if you you know there's a lot of people if you're like a a, a, a dark skinned person and it looks like you might be a Muslim you know you're just gonna happen to get checked for those random searches a lot more often than other people are randomly checked for those searches you know. So there's, you know, there's that, it's, that part's really dehumanizing because you, for a moment there, you're in a very authoritative, like, you know, it's an authoritarian police state that you're in. Yeah. And that's what they do to make travel safe. Yeah. You know, and it's a classic example. Our whole society is, you know, the more rights you give up, the closer you get to con- living in constant air travel. North Korea, I think, <laughs> living in North Korea is probably like living in one giant fucking airport. <laughs> I think those people, I think... I think when they travel, they're like, freedom! <laughs> like, I bet North Korea... I think living in North Korea is like living at the DMV. You know what I mean? Oh, 
God. You're just sitting there. You take a number. You're waiting. Every everywhere you go is the DMV. Supermarkets the DMV. You know the DMV is the DMV. Like the <laughs> hotel is like you know. Everywhere you go, there's police, there's security. That stress and that tension is just there, you know. Unless you go out to the countryside and everyone's a snitch. Yeah, you know? yeah. I don't want that. Oh man, yeah. That's what. What if it was? What if North Korea was just like a one gigantic clusterfuck airport or whatever? Or well, you, I I like uh, looking at the article. I the whole North Korea thing is kind of fascinating to me. Uh, I like looking at the articles where, like, here's pictures, that, you know, from a Western journalist in North Korea, right? And um, and these pictures, like, you know, it's these huge, just huge, um, like, town squares or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the buildings are, are very large and impressive, not, you know, the kind of dark gothic style, not very impressive to look at as far as their architecture. Yeah. And then they'll have some flag waving that's like a... You know, a seventy-foot Korean flag that's just just huge flag, and then you look around and there's like five people, you know, and I'm like, yeah, looks like a train depot, you know, <laughs> you know, if you when you're in an air, airport terminal and and it's like not when the plane's taking off, yeah, it looks like that. It looks like a it looks like a, a terminal, yeah, you know, but that's like they're downtown, you know, that's where people are going to hang out, you know. Oh man, that's a that's just like a island in a world of like freedom and, and open markets and everything. That the place is just like an island of crazy old backwards ideas. And yeah, I think there's a few of those in the world, but that one's definitely like you know. I mean, even at least in Cuba, like you know, the weather's nice and they got cigars and people are kind of partying and there's all that sexy music. Yeah, you know, and 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 there's good good food they seem like they have a good time you know you don't see anybody like you know sneaking into communist korea to uh you know to party for a night like you know because that actually happens like there's like people in america because cuba's not far away you Mm -hmm. know it's like what like 100 miles or something 90 miles yeah yeah so if you're if you're especially the rich type i know people that have done it they just get on their yacht in miami uh you know, around six o'clock, and it's not like you have to go check in with anybody. Yeah. Uh, and they just they just go out to Cuba, and they go dancing in Cuba and get go some, you know, get some uh, get some rum, have a good night, you know. And then when the dawn comes up, they get back on their boat and they come back in, and no one's asking them where you've been. Yeah. You know, they're in a private marina. They've left from a private marina. They come back to a private marina. Coast Guard's not out there like checking for them. Yeah. You know, I think they are, but you know, you gotta watch out for those drug smugglers. Well, I, like I said, I know Will people. Smith and Martin Lawrence. You people know. Will go out there just to just to just to party sometimes, you know. Yeah. But no one's not sneaking into North Korea to have a good time. You know what I mean? <laughs> you don't hear about those like you know all night ragers in Pyongyang. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. You hear about the crying parties when the uh, dictators die, but no, uh, no discotheque oh, yeah. parties. I think some of those are crocodile tears. Oh, some. Yeah. Some of those? Are you kidding me? Everybody thought it was going to be so great with this new young guy coming in, you know, Kim Jong Un. Yeah, and then uh, fresh ideas. Yeah, and then he shows up. And he's like, no, nope, it's just a younger version it's of just, the same asshole. It's just a fresh haircut. That's all. Yeah, and and you know, but he looks like he's having a good time. You notice that all the pictures of him, he's laughing. Oh, jovial! That, that he's dude, jovial. That dude parties. Yeah, 
That you know that guy is like taking baths and champagne. With oh the yeah, like he's just yeah. every night just something ridiculous. Oh dude, over the top. I'm sure. Yeah, like he's got some dude he doesn't like. Hey, you know, like oh yeah, well this this leader of the party just suddenly disappeared. Like he didn't disappear. <laughs> That dude got thrown out in his underwear in a crocodile pit. Yeah, they were Kim, partying. It got a little too crazy. Right. He now knows too much, right. and he's got to be gone. Kim Jong-un watched him. He's, you know, I, one of the things him, about him is he's like, he's kind of like a Bond villain, which is what I like about him. But yeah. the, the problem is, is that Trump is also like a Bond villain. <laughs> so it's like, there's no Bond. There's just Bond villains running all the countries now. <laughs> we just got all the villains. That's it. Oh, man. Well... As fun as this has been, Mr. Greenhower, I think it's probably about time we uh, tie a bow on this puppy. For the people that listen to all of this, we thank you. (laughs) We thank you for your service. Uh, It's not a moment. You are the real heroes. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty funny, actually. Joe was going out to a show the other night when I was talking to him, and I I told him to give him hell. And he sent me back. He said, uh, Oh, they're in hell, all right. Open mic fever. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. But that was that actually that night uh, ended up being I think a, a pretty decent. Uh, there was a lot of decent performances, but I went to another open mic right after that, uh, a couple days later. That was just like, Jesus, it was just so weird. It's like uh, I think there's like there's been a, maybe a generational shift or something because I didn't know any of the people there. They all seemed to me like they were so young. I already do, but <laughs> even younger, you know, just like just just you know babies really and then um and then again you know like just terrible jokes one after the next and you just like oh or the people who get up and they just they just cycle through premises with no no punch lines you know and that's just oh it's painful <laughs> but you still have to do it if you want to get better at it you know what i mean you got to hit up those hit up those chances to to practice yeah you gotta take those uh reps wherever you can get them but uh yeah let's uh let's wrap this baby up though all right thank you guys for joining us on another episode of an earful in the emerald city here uh thank you to my guest mr joseph greenhauer yeah Uh, good to have you back man yeah we did we got into some uh riveting uh travel talk you know travel we covered a lot of topics tsa has got nothing on us we covered travel and we covered uh uh, all kinds of things. Yeah. But uh, thank you guys uh, for covering us, too, and uh, listening to the show. You know, we appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having us here. Episode, I got the numbers wrong last week. I believe when this one comes out, this will be episode number 80, you guys. 80? Episode oh. number 80. Yeah, so we're getting up there. We had you on. You were probably about 45 on the last one. It's been a little while. So. Wow, okay. But, uh, yeah, episode 80. So uh, thank you guys for joining us. Mr. Greenhower, thank I'll you be back as well. For 120. For some, yeah, 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 exactly. Well, we'll get you back even sooner than that for some uh, stimulating orchid talk. You know, we'll, oh, get, we'll you update you on the business. Talk, yeah, we'll fill the ears with that too. Yeah, we'll know who the guy we'll is. Fill but, both ears. All right, thank you guys for joining us. Appreciate you listening, and uh, we will talk to you guys next week.